and welcome. You're listening to Requires Improvement, a podcast that aims to critically discuss all aspects of the current UK education system from an unashamedly left-wing standpoint. With the support of listeners and guests, we want to find out what's going well and what really requires improvement. Uh, my name is Nick. Uh, I work uh, in a humanities department in a secondary school uh, just outside of Bristol, and I am a union rep. I'm uh, Lee, I'm a uh, history teacher uh, around Bristol and I also am a union rep. I'm Anu, I'm a secondary English teacher and, um, well, was a union rep, currently in between jobs. I'm Lauren, I'm a science teacher, also based in Bristol. I'm Charlie, I'm a primary school supply teacher and union activist. Uh, okay, so a little bit about our name. Most listeners will probably recognise the phrase as being one of the damning judgments Ofsted inspectors give to schools that, by their own measures, are not good enough. We hope to have an episode soon where we'll talk more about Ofsted and our current systems for regulation and inspection. But for now, we'll say this. Although it's true that crippling funding cuts, teacher workload increases and many other factors have meant that many schools are no longer providing a quality of education that's fit for purpose, we do not believe that it's the schools themselves that truly deserve the label requires improvement. It is the apathetic politicians who require improvement. It is the brutal testing systems that require improvement. And as uh, we always seek to be reflective practitioners, it is us as activists who require improvement to better educate ourselves and campaign to ensure the issues around education are at the forefront of local and national discussion and movements for change. Um, so today, my requires improvement uh, is going to be about uh, the private school system. Uh, my requires improvement will be talking about the government and their attempts to persuade everyone that the education system is somehow not in crisis and that everything's going to be fine now that Boris Johnson is here. And uh, we'll be hearing a bit about how even they're getting told off by Facebook, who they're paying millions of pounds to, but Facebook still feel the need to tell them off. So clearly something's going a bit wrong there, isn't it, folks? Um, uh, indeed. Uh, my requires improvement is um, it's actually... Uh, to do with Ofsted and their new inspection framework. So um, I just want to talk about the idea that uh, schools are going to be inspected on their ability to build cultural capital in their students. Um, yeah, my requires improvement is going to be around the lack of support for the climate strikers and how schools have kind of introduced really draconian punishments to punish students that are basically being active and, funnily enough, having cultural capital. So, yeah, that's my one this week. My requires improvement is the whole system, both in primary and secondary school, around exclusions uh, currently the state of the system means that it's feeding into the prison system making children feel isolated disconnected from their schools and their homes and it's all gotta go and I went to a talk recently I'll talk more about it later that really opened my eyes to how difficult it is for some families dealing with exclusions on a regular basis and they're dealing with the schools being really hostile towards them uh, so, um, well, more specifically, who requires improvement are the people that defend private schools, uh, because all the arguments used to defend private schools uh, are terrible um, <laughs> and so easily knocked back. Uh, it is just a very weird thing to watch people argue about it uh, on the Internet. Um, I think the uh, Abolish Eaton campaign um, has done amazingly. I think it was only launched like a few months ago. Um, spearheaded by Holly Rigby, who um, is a secondary school teacher in London. 
And journalist. Yeah, well, it's yeah. like part-time journalist, part-time that. Um, she's been really, you know, speaking exactly what the left of the teaching profession like has needed to hear about um, about most things. Um, she's like way ahead of the curve on sort of getting articles published about SATs before um, the last conference. Um, she's been really good on private schools. And so it's her and another guy called Sol Gamsu, Gamsu uh, who I met canvassing once. Uh, and uh, he's sort of... He's, he's made it his sort of academic life's work um, to try and work out how to destroy the private school system. Uh, and I remember when I went canvassing with him, I just thought, OK, if we just if we just tax them more, that'll attenuate them and uh, they'll, they'll grow and uh, they'll lose influence. Um, but he was very much of the mind and very quickly persuaded me that the left needs a strategic plan to destroy them <laughs> in the way that the Tories have a strategic plan to destroy the NHS yeah. to destroy any kind of social institutions because any social institutions um, prove that socialism works. So the NHS existing is a, you know, is a splinter in the eye of, um, of neoliberalism because it proves that they're wrong in the same way that we need to get rid of private schools um, because they're literally set up to uh, recreate privilege um, over and over and over again um, and um, at Labour conference coming up next week um, they're going to be putting forward a motion where Labour you know hopefully will commit to abolishing private schools not just like increasing the tax on them um, not just making you know, well sorry not increase making them pay proper business rates um, not just making uh, parents pay VAT on the school fees um, but radical things um, the best one I've heard, which is something Holly Rigby said once, and then um, it now seems to be part of it, is if only if seven percent of the UK population go to private school, why not with Oxford and Cambridge or universities in general? Why not cap the amount of people from private school going to universities at seven percent? Very quickly, people will just stop sending their kids to those schools because it just, just doesn't make sense. Um, don't know what, what do people think. I was just thinking we should maybe talk about the key arguments that are often used in favour of um, private schools and basically unpick them. So what has everyone heard when people are saying, no, we've got to keep private schools. What are the key things that we're hearing? Okay, so... Um, Don't start with the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. like The, the, the only defence of private schools that someone's had the temerity to, uh, to, to say to me recently, and, and I can see where they're coming from, to the, the degree that I can relate to another human being, um, they, they, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, their kid, their kid has profound, uh, you know, special educational needs and was being being failed by the state system uh, again for a hundred reasons, like Tory underfunding, structural, you know, um, problems with education that mean that kids can fall fall through the cracks. Um, their only recourse was private education, but. You know, obviously, that under analysis, that argument falls apart because, you know, we we should be campaigning for an inclusive education system because people pay enough tax in this country, they shouldn't have to pay fees yeah. because their child has a barrier to their learning. You know, um, mm. but in in the current situation, that's their best option. So that that was the only argument that, to a degree, earned some sympathy from me. But it's still. Uh, at root uh, uh, an argument for socialism and for an improved state offering in state education and it's an argument for you know making sure that um private schools are a paying the same business rates that any other like institution has to pay and also are paying their fair share of vat and basically paying their fair share of tax because 
I mean, A, they shouldn't, I mean, I don't think they should exist, number one. But number two, the fact that they exist and they get all these advantages and yet we're still in a situation where parents with children with profound needs are having to send their kids, like, to private school, which A, that's immoral on two levels. They've got a child that's got special educational needs, right? And then they have to, which comes with its own difficulties and, and its own challenges. And then they've got to somehow find more money to send their kid to a school that will cater for their child's basic needs. I mean, again, that that should be provided by the state and it could be provided by the state. If the school lets them in, though. Huh? Like, they do, like uh, private schools let in sort of disproportionately low numbers of SEM pupils, don't they? Oh, yeah, of course. So that is, again, that's probably, again, a school that caters especially for... Is it a school that caters for students, especially with special needs? or is uh, it... I didn't get any details about the okay. specific school. Um, now, at the end of the day... Um, like for every parent that is able to send a child with SEN to private school for that reason, there are going to be tens, if not hundreds of parents who just, it's never an option for them because these fees run into thousands of pounds per term. Yeah, I've had uh, just generally the idea that um, private schools uh, plug a gap that state schools aren't um, equipped to fill is is the kind of reason for their existence or the reason why we should advocate for their um, existence. So um, on a similar level, I read uh, a comment from a woman who was um, who was sort of uh, uh, not sympathetic to um, a lot of teachers talking about abolition of private schools recently because her child uh, was average. And because she was average in a class, uh, in a classroom where maybe they had uh, students who needed a bit more help or high needs students be- who were HAPs, high prior attainers, um, this average child got ignored. So they felt that um, private school, the private school that they ended up sending their kid to was, um, you know, was worth it. Um, and it's that same story, isn't it? For every for every child that whose parent or guardian um, is able to pay for them to go to private school, there are hundreds in the same position who can't do that. So um, it, it's a, it's not an argument. F- I mean, this isn't an equitable system. Clearly, it's not plugging a gap. It is um, a short term solution in in their eyes for um, uh, a problem that affects a. F- view um and not a long-term solution to like uh, catering for the majority of students did you say where you saw that uh that comment as well which uh, is the bizarre thing about it all I oh think. i saw it on um the uh neu so the national um what are we <laughs> the national, national education, education union's facebook page um so i think there were a couple of teachers talking about um the the new Labour proposal. They were a teacher in the state system as well. I don't. Do you know what? To be honest, but I don't, I don't know, know if they were it. a teacher. I mean, I don't know if the Facebook group allows guests in into it. I don't but, think it does. Um, no, you've got. You're supposed to be a member. And then well, PM there you go. So check. they're so they're uh, either a teacher or a, a LSA. It's entirely possible. I know. Um, teachers who work in the state system who send their children to private schools largely usually find that there's some source of income say the partner earns a lot more money or perhaps they might be paid for by a a grandparent or something but no it's entirely possible for state school teachers to to completely avoid it because they know perfectly well what the state system is like 
and then the wild thing is and then they advocate not for the state system to be completely like the only system and the private school system to be abolished therefore making the state system better they instead advocate to keep it all as it is as long as i'm okay to win then it's fine yeah another case of uh, people ardently defending their right to be exploited yeah <laughs> and that's the other thing again like another argument and but the thing about private schools ultimately is we're talking about a very small subsection you know the the whole sort of SEN angle but actually generally the reason that majority of parents who can afford it send their kids to private school is because of who they meet it's not even about you know necessarily okay they'll get better facilities have better education but it's who they're going to rub shoulders with and it's about the opportunities that provides um for students in later life even mediocre students um i could talk about some members of royalty case in point i'm gonna leave it there though but essentially like it's it's a fact that it, it creates this kind of like just this sort of concentrated power and concentrated arrogance and just it perpetuates this idea that they are better than and that somehow by being here it's not just because of the fact that their parents have got more money it's just because they are somehow entitled to be here and they deserve and that creates the issues later on when we talk about politics and about the people that are leaving these schools and banding together and going into politics because they are masters of the universe and that's you know where they should be and it's just such an easy flight path it's set out for them and and that's the, the problem it creates it's bigger than just a private education system it's about what it what happens afterwards and what it does to every other person i think yeah. uh i'm gonna do something very brave right now and i'm gonna come out uh, I actually went to a private school. Uh, <gasps> I know you can't tell because I'm so down to earth. But... I, I will put the proper sound effect of an audience gasp yeah. in there. <laughs> Maybe the sound of like a smashing glass <laughs> from as we dropped the things we're all holding. Get out! Yeah. <laughs> I'm also going to out. I'm also going to out. Lee is also going to a private school as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's like. Uh, the, yeah, I mean, there's the, there's the whole contradiction thing of the we fact... We just that, lost most of our listeners. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Why are uh, privileged people? <laughs> now that no one else is listening, we can say what we want, finally. Sweet. So there's that... Yeah, there's this weird combination of... Yeah, people genuinely think that if you send your child to private school, you're doing the state a favour because you're saying, oh, well, like, my money is funding this kid. So at least that's, you know, one more couple more glue sticks to go around in the state <laughs> sector honestly i think that's genuinely yeah, that's how, how people yeah. launder launder the bad thoughts in their heads by that way but obviously the yeah, the contradiction is that when they're not paying if something isn't paying tax it's being subsidized by the state so it doesn't even make sense as a choice thing it's definitely not fair on those grounds but um yeah i went to private school because i uh passed a test in 1997 before the labor government came in and i got free private school education till um till i was 18 ditto yeah and uh it's really interesting yeah yeah, it's, yeah. and uh it was weird being the the not the not rich person in the class but like at first you don't really realize it um but it gradually creeps up on you but i do what i do remember really vividly was um my i think my mum's reason was yes to have a good education but also to isolate me from bad children like naughty kids uh, and then at school they would kind of play up to that as a, as a comprehensive like down the road um, and regularly we'd be compared to those kids including uh, a biology teacher who would talk about I don't know if any of you talk about this in 
we don't really have like one mark questions in humanities, but in science you have like one mark questions. And you say like these are the gift marks. You ever say yeah. that? Uh, he would call them moron marks uh, because oh. those are the marks that the idiots at the other schools get. We're not like those kids. Mm-hmm. So and he, he didn't he didn't do it the particularly like condescending nasty thing. It was much more except you know it was just like your parents have paid a lot of money for you to be here. You're not going to, sl- you know, it be, would be ridiculous if you slipped up on these simple marks. Still the, call it, I'm not defending the guy. So it's the same, same oh. guy that many years later was exposed as a horrendous paedophile. Not that I know of. <laughs> that was the other one. <laughs> That's yeah. the different okay. guy. Allegedly. <laughs> oh no, definitely. Don't worry. Alleged, alleged and confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Links in the episode description yeah, yeah. to... I, uh, that makes you so angry like personally that whole I know that casual dismissal and that's the problem that's exactly what I'm saying it just creates this otherness and it really annoys me because you know sob story hour but you know I went to a pretty rough school in East London and I did all right and I got to uni I did a chemistry degree so actually you know if if the nurture's there it's fine you've got you know the right stuff so this idea that people are morons i just finished teaching at a school in a very um, poor area of Bristol and do you know what I had a girl who bossed it and got a nine on her chemistry and absolutely bossed it and overcome dyslexia overcome so much stuff because she worked hard and I hate that again like those students that I taught in that particular class were were fantastic like absolutely if you put them anywhere they would be you know the top of the top and it's just that casual indifference and that and i know it might just be implicit but it really on a personal level kind of makes you very angry also sorry go on oh, i was gonna say i know that you meant it in the best of ways or i know you know what i'm about to say as well but you did do so well and in that sort of sense for you it was all right but it's not all right as we all know for so many children the classes in state schools uh, this is this is not news are totally like over capacity so much time under staff with support and you know across the board teachers and students in the state school system are having a much tougher time than in private schools and it's actually not all right because as i was saying with the exclusion thing children are getting funneled straight into prison at times they're being so disempowered by the system that they feel like they can't ever get a job can't go to university and although many do they're still up against it with all these private school children who have had a such easier ride. And it's also proven that once they get to university, if they've made it, they actually do so much better um, for having gone through that status. But that's that's a baptism of fire that they shouldn't have to have compared to private school students. How can you say that private school students who make up the majority of um, university students compared to... um, the numbers that actually, you know, start at the 7% who go to private schools. Like, and yet they f- have a struggle in their first year because they're not used to not being mollycoddled. Even that the, um, you know, two of the big things I think that, that just shows up how, how poor the whole exam system is. Um, so if you think about the exam system as um, there's grades one to nine, one to three is a fail. So a third of the people that sit at GCSE fail. So a third of the country fail their GCSEs. A third of the people in this country go through X years of education and they fail. No matter how hard they work, no matter how hard the teachers work, no matter how the stars are aligned or whatever they do, um, a third of them are going to fail. So 
if you're at a private school, uh, oh, and then does anyone know the statistic on like remarks, like how many GCSE papers are like off by like four or five marks? I don't know, but I think it's a bit larger number than it should be. It's like, I can't what it's not, it's not one in three, it's something around that. But even let's say it's like one in 10 even, which is it's definitely lower. Um, private schools just remark everyone. They can afford to do it. It's like 50, 60 quid, isn't it? They just remark every paper that's like close to a borderline. Um, so all their grades get um, get bumped up. The other thing that mass, and then that pushes everyone else down just completely unfairly before you've even started with it. Well, you know, the fact that they've got better gyms and better facilities and smaller classes and stuff like that. The other one is IGCSEs. Uh, does anyone know enough about that? To- it's the international form of the GCSEs that sort of escaped the wave of recent uh, Gove reforms. Uh, but it's it's seen as a preferable qualification to take because it doesn't have the ridiculous extra content. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of international schools like run by the British Council take it. Um, but yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's and why I think can it's, they it's, do that? But comp, comp, there must comp. be some additional expense involved with it. And also, I think, because a lot of a lot of these private schools just escape any scrutiny. They're not yeah. facing down the barrel of Ofsted and doing things that would be questioned. You know, if a state school just went, we're going to do the IGCSE now, Ofsted would be on the... And you'd, you'd, your data would fall out in terms of stuff like the, you know, you can be entered for the English baccalaureate, which is a standard by which seemingly only state schools are judged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you'd never hear of, I mean, I haven't heard recently of any cases of Ofsted, you know, sh- shutting down a private school. I think there might have been one or two uh, which were done on religious grounds. I don't know, because there's some shady business going on there. But the, the, the faith school system seems largely unregulated from my point of view I mean only in cases where they want to be targeting certain communities yeah. the, you know the the stuff that happened in was it Manchester recently uh, there was like a fake conspiracy yeah no, that's longer ago yeah so, so yeah uh, well I mean another thing I was just thinking of um as well, like the culture in these schools, and this is why it's so toxic to have um, all of our politicians that, that come out of these things. I was thinking the other day, um, I can't remember what it was, but you know, you have year sevens come in and it's in September and you're teaching them content, but you're also trying to teach them to be people. You teach them to say please and thank you. You teach them to not snatch or you try and teach them to be kind. And I just sort of had a flashback and thought about my own schooling. It was like, I, that wasn't, I wasn't really taught that stuff that didn't or I don't know I just can't imagine a teacher ever saying to like correcting my behavior in that way and I'm not saying it was like a Spartan education where we were taught to like um you know like taught to steal and if we got caught we got beaten for just uh for getting caught not for stealing and stuff like that it was if you did something outrageous like they would deal with it but it's like yeah I don't know I spent a lot of my day sort of telling off really like ladsy boys for their toxic behavior and trying to make them be kind and you try and get on top of year sevens and you give them assemblies about like kindness or being good but but the the elite they don't need that this doesn't they just don't need it (laughs) it's not a virtue for them yeah i think that's actually a really good point that uh almost you want to give children in the state system a fighting chance and unfortunately they need to be more polite especially you know you know the whole bme community like you know if you're teaching children um who aren't white 
in the UK, I sort of feel like when they are being rude to me, I'm like they're potentially going to be rude like that to any authority, possibly rude to, you know, someone in social services, someone in the police sometime in their life. And if they're going to be rude, then I know you're playing the worst part of the game. You're encouraging them to try and be polite so that they have the best chance of not being sucked in by a a system that is basically set up um, to be against them. And, and you don't want, like you shouldn't have to. People should be able to be who they are and sort of journey through that. Everyone eventually, well, the vast majority of people eventually work out how to be polite. Work out that it, you know you're going to get more by being kind to people and understanding than you are from instantly being aggressive. But that's what children are like. They're learning, but you feel rushed to get them to that point because you know the world's set up against them. So what are we going to do about private schools, guys? So I've got a couple of two options. We could uh, turn them into museums, like you'd have a museum of torture, <laughs> or we could burn them down. Um, I'm, I'm in favour of just nationalising them. <laughs> I, I agree. I think... I, I'm sorry that... Yeah, keep the buildings. The buildings are beautiful, and they're there, and they're old. Like, keep the buildings. Everyone should be able to enjoy this culture. Like, this is great. Just get rid of what they actually do. Personally, I think social housing. Get get like, all, all like all the you know the nice. They're in weird like, positions though. They're miles from. They're all like a lot of the, the big old prestigious well, boarding schools. And, you know, I I don't. I think that also people that live in social housing, like a lot of people, would want to live in the country. Like fuck it, here you go. If you want to live in the country, somewhere near you know the edge of town, where you've got loads of stuff, like go for it. I agree with all this. I don't think we need to limit ourselves. I don't think burning them down is a good idea. I think they're... they're send they're, a message. <laughs> we have other messages we could send in other ways. I think we keep the buildings, but I don't think we have to limit us that all of them uh, are social housing or all of them are museums. You know, have everything all at once. Yeah. Some of them are museums. Some of them would be housing. Some of them could be just left to nature and Ooh. covered in, you know... Like Chernobyl. Graffiti, <laughs> excitement. And maybe we could have bonfires inside them as the trees grow over. Oh, they could be all sorts of things. Really br- bring, one, back, one. bring back, sorry, warehouse raves and uh, mm. rave ah. culture, maybe. That, there we go. Yeah. 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 Raves, um, but I'm interested in Lee's idea about nationalisation because you had some good ideas about or, or how you would use them for uh, in communities as well, yeah, like facilities. Mean, so. at, the, at, the, at the end of the day, if private schools have served as an engine for replicating class inequality, we should repurpose them to do the opposite. So we make the facilities free for local other schools to use or any community groups. So it's like becomes like a timeshare for the community. Um, we should, in, uh, particularly the boarding schools, um, should be brought into our care system. And, you know, we should yes. basically... So if you've had the worst start in life where both your parents are dead, you actually get to go to Eton. You know? Pretend you're at Hogwarts. It's cheaper than prison. It's cheaper than prison as it's, well. It's not going to make up for, you know, a, you know, tragedy in your life, but um, we could actually try and give them the best start possible because they've had the worst possible start. You know, just run things in reverse. Opposite land, where things are good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where Boris Johnson is not the Prime Minister. Um, but Minister Ben's uh, tactic, I think, is quite good because it would help. Because I have had arguments with some with a colleague who um, is more sort of conservative with a small C than me, and he thinks it would be a shame, because of all the tradition that's built up in them, he thinks it would be a shame to completely kind of lose that. 
um, you know, I'd say, yeah, fine, whatever, get get rid of it. But um, but one thing that you could do that would preserve the tradition, so you you would you would nullify that argument, uh, which what Melissa Ben says is turn Eton into a sixth form college. So you've got all the resources, all the expertise, and all that stuff, and you just use it for for that. Um, same with Oxbridge, rather than trying to do anything, you know, rather than trying to kind of plug it full of certain people who might not actually really want to go there, turn Oxbridge into um, a postgrad college. Because again, like you, you know, you can still it can still have that like high academic rigor. Like the, the the people internal to it probably possibly wouldn't even resist it that much, to be honest. And that would actually be helpful in terms of reform, um, and just use them for uh, for completely different things. Next, uh, so we saw it. yeah, we saw that. <laughs> yeah. uh, next, right. So um, my requires improvement this week is uh, our friends in the government. Uh, I was Yay. reading a news story this morning about how uh, the Conservative Party have been publicly censured by Facebook um, for uh, basically abusing their advertising platform. Um, obviously, the Tories are ploughing a lot of money into controlling public opinion um, and uh, recently uh, they've been told off by Facebook because one of their recent adverts was trumpeting their supposedly amazing new commitment to education spending which if oh. if the government is to be believed it's going to fix everything guys it's going to be great in fact it's already great have you seen this smiling teacher there's going to you know the advert, the advert claims that there's going to be 14 billion pounds worth of real terms new spending in education that sounds like loads that sounds Sounds like more than we need, actually. Yes. Uh, it's also double what they've actually committed to. So the advert was inflating their stated generosity by a factor of two. And they even edited a BBC article headline to try and make the advert give the impression that this was all verified by the media. Oh, God, where do we start? So, I mean, look, first of all, we got acknowledged. We've been asking for more money for education. So money is to be gratefully received. Uh, but it proves it, that campaigning works as yes, well. absolutely. Because we have yeah. absolutely busted our guts on this kind of stuff. And there's so sure. many people doing amazing campaigns that any years we've really pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And we've made the Tory party listen. Yeah. Like, that is amazing. Yeah, and it was a massive vote loser for them. But... Um, we're unfortunately not we're not going to be able to rest on our laurels here guys because um funding increases are actually only a small part of what needs to change we've been talking a lot already this episode about the need for system change uh, the structure of education the incentives the the penalties the whole way it functions needs reform more more money will simply grease the wheels of a system that replicates injustice in in so many profoundly different ways for teachers as well, you know, um, more money will obviously help out outcomes for the students, but it's not going to make our jobs more livable. It's not going to make like uh, it, it easier to live under this government in general. Um, so uh, basically the Tories are being told off in public by a company they're paying millions of pounds to to advertise for them. This does not augur well. And so we as campaigners are going to have to carry on demanding well to actually deliver on their promise because that's all it is at this point i've not seen a new budget there's been no actual commitment to raise spending by any amount um and if they get their way in other areas of government policy there may actually be no money to even provide this it's depending how bad things go what what is the one line because what what's difficult about this i find it hard to explain why this isn't enough money or why it isn't really as much money as they say and i need you know we're going to be pounding pavement at some point soon and knocking on doors and trying to tell people how bad it is what's is the one line put down about their campaigning and lies because you can't say all oh, the liars it's like well yeah we know no. but like what is what is it in your eyes what is a good one line put down of their promises 
Well, they've got 10 years of misrule to make up for, getting close mm. to. Um, so one spending increase is not going to outweigh the 10 or so last budgets that did harm to education. Um, and more money, you know, the, uh, there's been examples in recent political history where just throwing money at a problem doesn't help. Is it? Am I correct in thinking that um, some of the money that's part of their promise is not actually new money, no. but money that Classic. schools were told yeah. that they had to set aside for a rainy day or you know whatever it was sold as? You know, you're just not allowed to spend this money. So it's more of a release of old money, of old cuts that they'd already made, and just sort of undoing slightly. But when you put it um, in terms of the number of years they've been saving that money, uh, or rather you're not being allowed to touch that money, um, that it's not a huge increase. In fact, it's only just in line with what they should have been increasing the spending by-ish, but maybe actually falling short of, of where we should be by this point. You can't trust the Tories on education because even if they have an education policy, it's not linked to an industrial policy. They're not actually helping the British economy by the way they run the schools. You just take a look at the high street and the amount of shops that are closing every day. Things are not going well in any well, aspect. The policies aren't designed to work, are they? They're not oh, designed to conspiracy. work. Conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, but they, they manifestly don't work and they're not designed to work. And you look at their, where they're targeting this cash especially... And it's all it's all just marginal constituencies, or it's ones they were like close to losing, or it's li it's Lib Dem ones and, and things like that. Um, but I don't know. Is it going to make any any of the primary schools that have gone down to like a four day week? Is it going to turn them back to five days? Doubt it. Uh, is it going to deal? You know, are any kids doing doing their GCSEs all freaking out with anxiety and stress? Is going to make any of them? less stressed no is going to do anything about the teacher retention crisis well they're talking about paying teachers starting salary of 30k aren't they well the the london salary does start at 30 grand yeah. if you live in inner london so is that is that again is it bringing everyone else up to that level or is it just do you think anyone is persuaded by it I don't believe it. Well, unless the top wage possible for a classroom teacher increases by that factor, what you're effectively doing is just fast-tracking people to the point where they can look forward to a nine-gram pay rise over their entire career. Yeah. If they start at 30 and it maxes out at 39, that's not a satisfactory wage progression across a 40-year career, which is yeah. what they might be expecting you to work. You know. I think some people will be convinced. People who already wanted to vote Conservative because they've got something, you know, a bee in their bonnet about the potential of, uh, you know, a left-wing Labour government actually taking power. Uh, if they knew that the education aspect was a bit of a problem, uh, being told this will help rest their minds at ease and make them more confidently vote Conservative. And that's, you know, those sort of swing voters are, you know, it's it, it will be... Um, difficult in some uh, constituencies if, if those votes are lost. And I also think if you think about, you know, who's being convinced, will um, people who may have just finished university think about what they're going to do with their career, uh, will it convince some of them, some of those people who are, no, who are maybe noticing the fact that we might be on um, course to be having another recession? Uh, are those people going to go, hmm, maybe a job in teaching that I haven't really thought about but sounds okay because 30 grand sounds okay? That would only are work those... if they've never met a teacher as well, I would say. <laughs> well, some... <laughs> 
some university students who are maybe yeah 21 22 we'll might seen have a never, picture of a teacher like a they picture might have of never met a teacher since yeah. they were at school yeah, yeah. so it's it's not impossible to talk about young people here there are some people who get into teaching without knowing at all what they're getting themselves in for. Um, and they can be quite old as well. Like you get these sort of mm. people who want to change mid-career and, well, let's just say... Uh, my, fa- my favourite are the ones that leave the army and then they come into teaching and they've gone from, they're like, oh, discipline, oh, it's basically the same, isn't it, without people shooting you, so this, this is going to be fine. And it's kind of like, you know, in The Wire when Cutty comes out of prison yeah. and uh, he expects people to have, the gangsters to have a code, but they've just lost all the yeah. morality, they've got no code. And Cutty's like, this is an absolute shit show. Uh, it's kind of like that. And I remember mm. being in a school, with, like, uh, yeah, a teacher, yeah, literally, like, last year he was in Afghanistan or something, and he's coming on a placement and he's just like, yeah, I'm not going to carry on this because it, like no one knows what they're doing. You tell someone to do something and they don't do it. They don't have the resources to do it. And this is this is not even kids. I mean, like staff. So this is one thing. You tell someone to do something, they don't do it because they've got other stuff to do or the management structure is so poor or what. You just it's not worth doing, so they don't do it. And then the kids as well, like they're just completely unruly. They just won't do what they're told either. And um, yes, yeah, it's, it's just really quite embarrassing for them. Profoundly embarrassing for them. Yeah. And just like coming back to the. Yeah, the release of funds or the, um, you know, influx of funds into schooling. Um, I, I, I mean, there's potentially an issue if you're releasing those funds or, you know, schools are now allowed to touch funds that they've been, you know, that they haven't touched for several years. You've also now got to deal with this sort of cadre of like, uh, you know, multi-academy trust managers who are in charge of these budgets. Like, so... I'm not saying they're all, you know, nefarious, like uh, money grabbing, uh, dullard, um, you know. Seconded. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying Did that you say they don't. As well. You know, I'm not saying that they don't have uh, their students and their communities at the heart of everything they do. But there the are. The sort of people who holiday in Dubai. <laughs> um, <laughs> and who uh, turn up every new academic year with a a nice new car. They're not those kind of, all those kinds of people, but, um, you know, aren't they in charge of where these funds go? Like, aren't they in charge of deciding, you know, which new sort of um, technology platform it's worth, you know, is spunking like you know have a many thousands of pounds on this year to get kids uh li- literacy levels up to scratch or um so yeah i mean like coming back to system change there's an issue there like who's in charge of these budgets who's in charge of rolling out these funds where are they going like um well yeah. as, lo- as long as numeracy and literacy are massively prized to the detriment of absolutely everything else all the excess funds is just going to get ploughed straight into those. And so it's not even like, as long as schools are still under pressure to perform to those metrics, which is just borderline impossible because of so many other things going inside. Like we're never going to get boys to perform as well as girls without dealing with patriarchy, really. We're never going to get disadvantaged kids to perform as well as not disadvantaged kids until we deal with poverty. It seems you know, it's fucking obvious, isn't it? But, yeah. it, you know, but then, but the, the, you end the, so those causes that are just losing battles in schools, they just, it just sinks for funding. And yeah, even if they do increase funding, unless they actually deal with that, um, you're not going to see music clubs back. You're not going to see trips come back. You're not going to see, uh, let's say it's come back. You're not going to see the counselling stuff come back um, because there's still just so many 
so many issues. Next one. Wow. Okay. Solved. <laughs> oh, is that one solved as well? Good. Yeah. Um, uh, so I was going to, well, I am going to suggest that what requires improvement um, is the idea that um, schools need to um, start building uh, cultural capital in their students and uh, will be judged and inspected on on that as part of the new Ofsted framework. Um, so my issue here isn't that um, students or, you know, that we don't have um, a responsibility to uh, n- nurture students or, sorry. I was going to say, should we define what cultural capital is first before we jump on yeah okay good idea yeah so um i suppose in like easy to understand terms it's the idea that you um give students knowledge that will help them compete with um their peers when they leave school and like sort of like engage in in social life in lots of spheres because they have this knowledge so uh, they'll be able to i don't know go to a dinner party and talk about um uh, Shakespeare or something. Be able, is that, to, is that, go to, be right able to go to a museum without feeling intimidated. That's what I've, what yeah, I sort of exactly. think of. Okay, so um, yeah, so so in schools, it is now going to be part of your responsibility as a school to build that in students. So yeah, so coming back to um, what my issue is, and it's not that we aren't shouldn't be responsible for enriching our students' lives um, and exposing them to things that they might not otherwise be exposed to that we think um, are of value maybe um we can talk about what value is but like uh sort of a value to them coming out of school and and useful to them um i think my issue here is um the idea that we can that we can do this um in a society that is horribly uh where the odds are stacked against these students coming out of school and having any you know, any sort of like ability to compete with those peers that Ofsted wants them to be able to compete with. Um, uh, also, the my other issue here is, uh, uh, you know, how am I meant to have all this power? Like where yeah. I can, you know, imbue this child with, uh, like enrich them um, and get them to like, A, care about this kind of like this knowledge and B, like... Um, process it use it critically etc when maybe this child you know doesn't have breakfast in the morning or doesn't have um their own space to like read a book or doesn't have any books um so mm. um these are all probably like well-worn arguments but i think this is it's worth repeating that we we can't control what happens outside of the classroom and often that is the the only thing that matters yeah. um i think also the idea that someone's deciding what cult what what the what culture is going to be of uh, benefit to them so like uh, you know goves of mice and men is, is that what you're going to say well of no mice well, and men is the classic one yeah. but yeah okay so the, yeah so the classic kind of uh the classic one is um sort of gove taking american literature off the the english uh, curriculum because um we white want, guys. Yeah, we, well, we want... <laughs> we, no, it's not the, the issue that they're all dead white guys that you shouldn't be reading. It's like there are some other dead yeah. white guys that we think you should be reading and they're all English. So, um, yeah, so the idea that 
the uh, cultural capital um, exists if you read this book or know this thing um, that I, as a yes, as a, yeah. a an old white dude, middle class white dude, who went to private yeah. school, has decided is worth it. Um, so yeah, so there were a few a few problems with this. Um, uh, the idea that it's sort of just you know embedding cultural conservatism um is is one of my one of my issues yeah, who defines what culture is essentially yeah, isn't it exactly um, um yeah and why why is cultural capital exclusively yeah middle class pursuits or certainly or even you know in in the higher echelons of class but actually why is why is something like grime for example not cultural capital why why are you telling me that certain cultures from certain subsects of society are not cultural capital and are irrelevant and are therefore less than and also i love the fucking irony of them trying to get us to teach cultural capital in a time where we've got a narrower curriculum it's all exam based literally schools are abandoning speaking in lessons because it's all about fucking Doug Lemhov and sorry not, not to critique Doug Lemhov in that way but actually when literally you've got schools taking it and kind of twisting it and turning it into this thing where kids just have to work in silence and it's all just about doing exam questions in silence like and this is the point in education that you're trying to tell me that I have to also be able to teach cultural capital when when's the time to discuss these issues when am i as teacher allowed to have a second out of the lesson plan to have those times with students so i just think yeah everything you're saying a it's elitist b it just says to certain subsects of society your culture isn't cultural um and yeah and that you've got to do it with fewer resources than we've ever had and lesson structures that enable much less talking and thinking and interacting with your peers yeah, I mean, it 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 could all potentially be quite alienating for the student yeah. as well. Like if they're, you know, if they're being told that this makes you a, a this bit of knowledge here will make you a better person, um, and you have absolutely no uh, connection to it, you have no say either. No point of reference. What, yeah, like... no point of reference. No say in 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 you know, there's no dialogue here between the student and the system either. So, um, it's just it just seems to me to be another kind of a bullshit way of of making schools responsible for student outcomes when we know that uh, or individual teachers responsible for Mm. student outcomes when we know that um we aren't the be all and end all we absolutely cannot hope to be in a system that's this kind of restrictive yeah and unequal yeah so yeah yeah should we move on and uh try and try and squeeze the other two in I will be very quick because it will just be a quick run. And <laughs> the two minute hate is back. The two minute hate is back. Yes. <laughs> um, so basically, mine is um, a shout out to a, I don't know what the school's name is, but a particular school that told year 11 students if they participated in the big climate strike, the most recent one that happened on the Friday, um, that they would not be allowed to go to year 11 prom. Now, again, badass jour, they absolutely. Um, did it anyway. They were like, well, actually, do you know what's more important than my prom? I don't know, the future of all life on earth. So, you know, I was quite happy about that, to hear that. But at the same time, the lack of support from schools, and, you know, interestingly, we just, you know, discussing cultural capital. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that, like, having an awareness of climate change, the science around it, the kind of also anti-climate change rhetoric from certain you know, ignorant, completely fucking moronic members of society. Um, Yes, I am judging. Uh, You know, I think that 
that is that is cultural capital for me that's a definition of students having critical analysis skills thinking skills knowing about the world around them all of this stuff we should be encouraging this we should be supporting this because there are some things that are bigger than politics bigger than education and actually one of them is the survival of life on earth and we are at a particular stage where it is a crisis the reason it's been named climate crisis is because it's a crisis thank you I was going to say something I really like about this story because um, one of the really like beautiful aspects about it is it shows how tone deaf uh, <laughs> senior leadership is in that they're not paying attention to what's around them. Uh, children are striking, yes, and then like not going to school on a day, but children are actually willing to give up more than that uh, these days for uh, what they obviously see to be a really like crucial issue because it is. And so it, it isn't that surprising. It doesn't wouldn't shock any of us to consider the fact that if as a a child already willing to, you know, take a stand in that way, maybe some of their friends might not agree and they're still taking a stand and, you know, a time in their life where your decisions you might feel more judged on. They're doing this. And so if the man, the leadership, <laughs> um, those in power say, man. we're going to take something away from you that we assume you po couldn't possibly do without. And that's a little party uh, <laughs> run by the school. <laughs> um, and basically what that says is you guys are so lacking in social um, interactions outside of school. You will step down you'll stop um protesting and you'll meekly um follow our threat why would they ever do that they gave them a better platform then they didn't have to just protest on that day they got to step up when other uh, students who were being allowed to weren't able to step up how did they not see that coming because mm -hmm. they only care about attendance don't they they're, they're so blinkered yeah. and they just can't really... Yeah, they don't look at the world around them, but they're... I don't have much sympathy for them, but they are just completely stuck in a system with, that makes unbelievably unrealistic demands of them. And but here we go just, back to system change. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Funny how it always leads back to that one particular point. They yeah, also I mean, uh, don't have to shoot themselves in the foot quite so often, and a lot of what involves SLT getting their way involves grinding the staff to pieces. So, yeah. Increases surface area, mind. Yeah. <laughs> cool we're gonna have there's gonna be loads about climate stuff coming up so yeah yeah probably in every episode to be honest but yeah yeah do we want to do mine or should we just wrap up no we've got we time let's do okay. it pause edit this out lee <laughs> that always gets kept in when you say that <laughs> that's true yeah. well, literally, no, probably, i probably will edit that out but uh, what i won't edit out is are a collective agreement that teachers should be showing maximum solidarity with climate mm. strikers, whether you just do what you can in your workplaces, yeah. whether it is providing them a meeting space in your classroom, doing a photo op mm. on the days where they are climate striking to show that solidarity. I mean, if you are capable of organizing your workplace to walk out as well, then I'll tip my hat to you. But uh, yeah. Some of the, the climate strikers at our school are sort of, when they're talking about stuff, they're genuinely surprise well i try and explain to them like actually most teachers are completely fine with this if not absolutely in awe of you and uh there's a few teachers who are kind of like revoke you know we we kind of offer the space and like help them out but um whenever they talk about like pushing things onto other teachers even like, it's like if you 
plan a PowerPoint to give to the teachers, they'll do it. It's fine. They don't care. I don't care. Like, that's half an hour of content, like, dealt with. And they're very <laughs> sheepish and they don't... Planned so I think showing solidarity, <laughs> showing solidarity is actually really, really important because they are not... Because all they hear from the media is how the adults are against them. And, like, a bit of their thing is about... Is about is about that. It's them versus everyone. But actually, loads of adults are completely with them. And we we just are need to, with you. We, we just support need to you. Show it matters. Yeah. I, I don't think any Message students going to be kids. listening to this. Okay, <laughs> I'm still going to say it anyway, just in case. Yeah, in case. Yeah. <laughs> we I are was just going to put this on. This is going to be my like lesson one on Monday. I'm just going <laughs> to. That's why we need to make it up to an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly there. Right. So my requires improvement is the system around exclusion. Now I could say i've said already broadly uh there's a lot of difficulty um with the system the way that it pushes um children out sometimes obviously they're doing things um that really are um a big issue being violent being abusive towards staff and um fellow pupils uh, but sometimes it's low level disruption sometimes it's things they didn't even realize um were against the rules until it's already too late uh so one example uh, that I think is a proof that the exclusion system is really flawed is in one school I worked at, uh, the first school, there was a boy who had a lot of difficulties, but the thing that ended up um, causing him to be excluded and sent to a people referral unit um, was that he punched another child. He was heavy set, um, and therefore and often was mistaken for much older than he was and treated differently as a result. But his punch was strong, probably as strong as an adult could punch. And so the outcome was very negative for the child he hit, of course. But uh, I worked at another school with another boy, a scrawny child. Um, he kicked and kicked and kicked another child, clearly with the intention probably of not being bothered uh, what the outcome would be. He was so enraged. Many kicks, but the outcome much less negative because he just wasn't as strong. The first child got excluded um, and the second one uh, did not. And um, he, the second child actually went on to do more and more heinous things uh, that I won't even go into. But he didn't actually ever, even, he did much worse things after that. He did not ever get excluded. He ended up actually leaving the school because he was, um, his parents got tired of all the complaints about him <laughs> yeah yeah um and just wanted a new, new fresh start where people wouldn't know about all these things and so my point is it's it's an inconsistent system uh and even more uh with the racial aspect the first boy being black and the second one being white it, it's just i could go into so much about it but that's my, one of my experiences made the prove the exclusion system just a little example an anecdote of how it's bad i was wondering if a couple other people had a similar sort of examples of how terrible the system is uh yeah i have well i have a similar anecdote um involving uh a lot of uh, like weed and uh, a black child caught with it and a white child caught with it the black child was excluded the white kids weren't so um uh, i think uh <laughs> there's a a problem here and it's not just racial um, but again, it's um, it's an, a very imperfect uh, system open to being abused. Um, it's, uh, yeah, uh, and essentially the stats um, support that. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, for example, uh, one, in, one in four, is it? Uh, black children excluded. 67% um, PP. Um, boys... 
So if you, a, a one in four. Yeah, one in four. SEN. Is it one for one in four one in four um, children who's excluded is black? It's black, sorry. As opposed oh, to one in four children. Yes, not one in four black students are excluded. Are excluded. Yeah. Sorry. But that's yes. still is, is that's still quite a shocking yeah. um statistic. Because it's disproportionately representative of the society they come from. Absolutely. And I think um if uh, you probably look at if you have an isolation system in your school, you'll probably find that it's replicated in microcosm as well. So like disproportionately boys, disproportionately um black or uh, dual heritage yeah. disproportionately pp um, people premium people premium uh so i think uh i think we could do a whole kind of mm. section on absolutely uh, the exclusion system yeah and it leads so clearly into the prison system uh another thing that's worth noting um because uh anna and i both went to a really good talk starting off a campaign for no more exclusions um in our local area and it was really inspiring to see um but there is such an issue because it does lead from children being excluded um over and over again possibly permanently excluded giving them this really really profoundly negative experience of their education uh, possibly missing out on a lot of their learning and then feeling it's their feelings it's it's the experiences they have uh, making them far more likely to be um, sent to prison for offenses minor and major later in life uh, when you look at the prison system I think it's astounding I want to say something approaching 70 or 80 percent of those um, currently incarcerated have um, diagnosable special educational needs SEN um, and that says it all I think um, we are failing children we're failing future adults um, with the system we've currently got and yeah no more exclusions is a campaign that's set to redress that uh, because it's um, ultimately it's abolitionist which means um, that they want to completely stop the system of excluding and find alternatives and you would need alternatives and not just removing that um, aspect of the system and then just having them back in the classroom yeah. uh, like nothing happened there has to be um, consequences in order to support the children and also for you know kind of Reimmersing them in whatever they've might have done, finding a way to, to resolve rehabilitation. Yeah. That's surely exactly. that's the whole point. That should be the point of, the, you know, the system of of punishment essentially, and surely the point of prison should be rehabilitation, not just punishment. So therefore, obviously, I'm aware of certain crimes, but essentially that that has to start at school, doesn't it? Yeah. I'd say that it's not that the system doesn't work. It's that we just disagree on what the system should be. The system does work if you want to isolate people that are unreliable from society. So from a certain standpoint, it works completely effectively. If these people won't sit in a school and learn things because they can't or they just they just don't want to, then you isolate them from those schools so everyone else can learn. And then when they get into society, they can't work in jobs. So we'll just isolate them from that as well and put them in there. Um, although it does come back to the, the private school thing, doesn't it? It's, mo it's more expensive to put them in prison than send them to uh, send them to a private school. Um, so in that, way, in that way, yeah, well, in that I didn't intend to do that, but in that no, way, it, 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 that is that is that's how you get to someone when they say, well, some people just can't be in society. We well, say, well, okay, but like Boris Johnson it's very expensive yeah there we go how about we provide them with a curriculum model and a structure of schooling that addresses their needs as opposed to trying to 
force some of the most deprived people in society into this one size fits all system that is heavily stacked against them and they know it yes that's that's what we're going to um provide in the next episode right yeah, I yeah. So. okay no it's not we'll just edit it so it seems like it <laughs> thank you for listening to requires improvement i've been one of your co-hosts uh nick and today i've been joined by lee anu lauren and charlie Find us on Twitter at at requirespod. And if you have the time, please give us a rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.